Hello and welcome to That Band Life. I'm Jeff Young, a teacher from Carmel, Indiana. And I'm Bobby Lambert, director of bands at Wando High School in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. That Band Life, a podcast about making our careers as music educators more fulfilling, so we can be happier, healthier, and more productive and more creative. Before we begin, I want to talk to you guys about the Dynamic Marching Shop. This podcast is coming to you ad-free, and one way you can support us is by visiting our website, dynamicmarching.com, and purchasing products through our store at some of the most discounted prices on the web, on things like shoes, rifles, and even Megavoxes. Yes, I got your order in, Bobby, for your new Megavox and hard case, just so you know. Awesome. That in today. Thank you. Uh, we have uh, lots of stuff on the website, so please give us a chance to win your business. So this week, we welcome Dr. Elliot Cleveland to talk about marching health initiatives. A little bit about Elliot. Uh, Dr. Cleveland is a former DCI and WGI world-class finalist turned doctor of physical therapy. He combines his two passions of health and music to help marching performers move better, avoid injury, and perform at the highest level. Elliot graduated from Clemson University in 2014 with his Bachelor of Arts in Biological Sciences and from the Medical University of South Carolina in 2017 with his DPT. Dr. Cleveland has taught percussion and was the on-field physical therapist for the Wando High School Marching Band in 2015 and 2018, uh, one of the best decisions I ever made. He developed a comprehensive exercise and stretching program for us at Wando and now does this for many groups. He practices physical therapy full-time and works directly with the Blue Coach Drum and Bugle Corps, Carolina Crown, and several other open-class corps, along with the Clemson Marching Band. Well, while he's doing all of that, he does clinics with high school bands all across the country. Elliot lives in Greenville, South Carolina with his beautiful wife, Dr. Erin Cleveland, who also is a doctor of physical therapy, their awesome son, Jack, and their goofy dog, Sam. Uh, Elliot founded the company Marching Health, which many of you have seen online, shortly after graduate school to fill the void between marching health issues and marching the, art, and the marching arts. He's been consulting and blogging about fitness, stretching, and health in the marching arts since 2017. Welcome, Dr. Cleveland. Thanks Thank for being you guys here. for having me. Absolutely. Elliot, this is the first time I've met you, and I'm really interested in how you got into this aspect of health and how it relates to the marching band medium. Yeah, I'm excited to share all that I've learned that really kicked off um, and came to fruition while I was working with Bobby and um, the Wando band. So that's really where all of marching health started. There were some previous, um, you know, kind of growth ish or moments when I was doing drum corps and when I was going through college that started to spur the idea that maybe health and fitness was going to be a big deal in the marching arts. But um, once I got down to Wando and was really working heavily with their drum line and with the full marching band and seeing the issues that that high level Bands of America band was having on the field, um, it was a no brainer to combine my physical therapy knowledge with the love that I have for the marching arts. What kind of injuries were you seeing with Wando at the time? Like what was the most common thing where that was taking students out? I would say the bigger deal was um, lack of endurance, number one, that absolutely drove Bobby up a wall. And by up a wall, I mean literally up a tower that did not exist, and we had to use a crane to get him up to be able to see us yeah. from the field. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, but yeah. he, he would lose his mind on that tower when these students who were the best, not just the best in the state of South Carolina, but in some of the best in the country, could barely play their instruments by the end of the opener. And 
I, I remembered, so just a throwback, I was an all-state percussionist in the state of South Carolina. I was the only kid from my high school that made all-state. And I walked onto the campus at Furman where all-state was, and I hear this rumor about the charter buses rolling in. I'm talking about a fleet of buses that was the Wando kids. And I'm just standing there by myself watching three charter buses of Wando kids and Moultrie kids and all the Cario file off the bus. And then I'm thinking that Wando is these godlike musicians. They were superheroes in the state of South Carolina. But when I go to teach them, I realize these are the softest children. They didn't have endurance. That was number one. And then the thing that was absolutely driving us crazy as a more as a visual staff was we were having these holes pop up throughout rehearsal. And when I say holes, I'm not talking about one kid missing in the trumpet section. I'm talking about I could drive my Subaru through the middle of the flutes because they were literally, and we counted it up the first three days of band camp, each of those three days, 20 kids sat out, wow. 20 kids, 10% yeah. of the band, maybe more than 10% yeah. of the band at that time. Um, and I was the only, well, I would say that the, the, we had a myriad of issues, but most common, most common were the, were ankles being rolled or just not attended to, uh, shin splints, uh, it, you know, relatively minor injuries, but because we had so little physical experience <laughs> as a band, that they those small problems became really big issues, and the kids didn't know how to to endure that. So we had to. I, I remember talking with Elliot those years ago, saying, "Man, we've got to do something to build the endurance, but also to help them strengthen some of those core places, not necessarily the core of the body, but like ankles." calves, uh-huh. knees, all those sorts of things. And, you know, uh-huh. that's what our next question, Elliot, was about the dynamic versus static stretching. And I think a, a lot of information has been given out now that we, we know that dynamic stretching is better, but some people don't even really understand what does that mean? Does that just mean you're moving or, or what does that mean? Right. So I always ask groups, what is your goal with your warm up? Because if your goal is flexibility, static stretching has a place. So you have to have some sort of range of motion exercise there. But if your goal is to get your band physically warmed up, as in getting their muscles ready and getting blood flowing to their body and to their brains, which is also extremely important, getting them mentally engaged in rehearsal, I bias everything towards a dynamic warm-up that gets them doing things that they're actually going to be doing on the field. So no longer having your drum major get everyone in a circle sit down on the ground and reach for your toes because I've never seen that done on the field during an actual marching band show. Instead, doing activities like high knees where it gets your hip flexors moving and you actually get your feet moving like you would uh, marching or grapevines, karaoke is where you have to control your body and you have to control your upper body and move your lower body underneath. Um, Jeff has done a good job where he teaches of getting movement-based warm-ups involved in a daily routine as far as rehearsal goes. Um, but we're taking that to a different category and making it more of an athletic movement to get them warmed up before we do any sort of choreography or visual um, task. This whole dynamic versus static stretching thing, it's not just newly found in the marching band world. A lot of sports have figured this out over the last 10 years. Is it you know, it used to be everybody stretched the same way. You had, you know, you stand and you bend over your legs or you sit and you bend over your legs. And, you know, there's the 
the various static stretches we all learned when we were in high school, but I think over the years, you know, one or two sports caught on and then many sports and then the marching activity also caught on is it, is it <clears throat> you're slowly kind of warming up these, these movements uh, in a dynamic way. And really the, the only appropriate time to do static stretching from what I understand is at the end of an exercise or, or of a rehearsal. Do you, have you heard that before? Yeah. So I've read a lot of research on actually doing static stretching at the end, like you're saying, helps muscles grow faster. So some reports have even said you get oh, 33% I didn't, I didn't realize increase that. in growth. So it's, not... Mm-hmm. so it's not necessarily just a warm-up aspect of things, but the tissues actually repair themselves better when they've been stretched back out after going through these multiple contractile movements while you are working out or exercising. So um, like, think if you go do 50 crunches right now, your abs are going to be so tightened up afterwards, you're going to have a hard time straightening your body back out, that stretching that back out actually helps with the muscle recovery process. Uh, but as far as a practical standpoint, um, and you're saying you've got, hey, I've got two and a half hours of rehearsal this evening. When you guys do announcements at the end of the day, I recommend putting in static stretches during that time, having the group sit down instead of stand around the drum major during that point. Because if you have a five stretch routine that you do at that point, it's one, gonna help them recover faster. But two, they're gonna get quiet out of nowhere and you're gonna be shocked. And then they're going to actually take in the information you're giving them during announcements. There's there's so a lot of, of uh, tradition involved in marching band and drum corps. And when I first got to cadets a couple of years ago, maybe four years ago, I guess, um, this was something we really had to explain to the to the students in the corps because they had a way of doing things that had been done for a very long time, and you know that it was kind of ingrained in the way they start their day and everything. And I really had to convince them, you know, this is something that's really important. We're going to do dynamic now. We can take some time at the end of the day to do static stretching, but we've got to do this other stuff right now as well. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that's, when we uh, started doing this with, with Elliot, what was great is we saw those ankle and it, those kind of lower body injuries go away relatively quickly. Like I can remember being at a rehearsal and having the thought, nobody is sitting out with ice on their ankle. And then now that that has gotten to be the norm. But what a, you know, one of the things that really helped us, and I would encourage band directors to do, the kids just inherently did not want to change their routine. But when they saw the science and the research behind it, we did a lot of like, well, you know, the Clemson football team does this. Or the, you know, Carolina Crown does this, or cadets do that. When they started hearing some of the facts and logic behind it, they, they didn't fight it anymore. So even if you have a tradition of everybody has to stand at attention during the, the announcements at the end, if they can understand the science behind this, and this is why we're doing this so we can get stronger, I think it'll help band directors encourage the students to be a little more open to some of these different ideas. I'm, I'm laughing uh-huh. because uh, I was brought in to Green Mountain High School in Colorado one year, and, and the director wanted to get rid of this specific way that they were stepping off by like popping the knee and then shifting their feet. It's I think common in maybe one or two drum corps, but he had to get rid of it. And I was like, the sure. yep. man. <laughs> and so I'm teaching this <laughs> new way of movement. And like, I'm looking at his flute player in the front row and the single tear rolling down. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, honey, honey, this is, <laughs> This yeah, is this is your big struggle. About. We're just going to move forward, okay? <laughs> uh, 
Hey, well, mm-hmm. I know one of the things that people ask a lot about, especially when we have those older kids that are starting to think about trying out for drum corps, or they've made a drum corps for the first time, and they've all done some of the spring tryouts. What do you encourage people to do to get in shape for that drum corps season? Or what do you encourage, especially like eighth graders or seventh graders, how should anyone get ready for a marching season, whether that's winter guard, indoor percussion, marching band, drum corps? That's a great question. So two parts to that are the drum corps athlete and the high school athlete. Those are two very different individuals. So for a a middle school kid, our number one goal is to get them moving and get them doing something physical and then transition it to outdoors before band camp starts. So we've got what we call our back to band workout program that takes them through about six weeks, which lines up from end of, um, school year to usually the beginning of most band camps. And I mean, it starts super basic and actually develops a ton of the balance skills that they need to execute marching skills properly. Um, It also develops the foundational muscles that they need as far as core hip strengthening and lower leg strengthening to avoid the shin splints and the ankle sprains. That um, looks a lot different than the drum corps athlete that we have, where we have a full three month program that is very um, conditioning heavy and injury prevention heavy as far as it takes them through literally we have a three-phase progression to where by the end of it when you're getting towards april and may they should be doing two workouts a day to physically prepare their body for how many rehearsals they're going to have in a day for the next three months of their lives so is this um, something that that, uh, that bands or drum corps sign up through your website it's like uh, almost like a, a a product that you have that they can purchase that's a great question. So we partnered with the list of drum corps that we mentioned earlier um, to basically pilot this ultimate drum corps workout. And that's something we've seen dramatic results with in the preseason. Now, spring training has just begun when this um, podcast is being recorded. So I'm really eager to see the results that the athletic training staff gives back as far as injury rates. But um, Carolina Crown, for example, had reported to me at their last camp they went from a large percentage of their kids not being able to run a mile under eight and a half minutes to only having eight members in the core who couldn't run a mile under eight and a half minutes how did they keep track Um, of all that in the off season was there some sort of google spreadsheet or how did they keep the students accountable exactly that so we use facebook groups um at that level because the members are a bit older and most of them are on social media and in social media groups where they have to post their times. And then between the February, March and April camps, when we, um, when they met with their visual staff, the staff actually took them through mile runs and timed them. And then one staff member put it in a Google spreadsheet and actually had the numbers and lined up the data. Um, As far as the back to band workout, we are finishing that up this week, actually all the groups that we do clinic with, Um, are going to get very early access to that. And then we're probably going to post it as well, just for the general public to see. We've got what we call our couch decor workout program that's free on YouTube already, um, which is basically a six-week program to get kids from I've never worked out before to I can go to my first drum corps camp and survive mode. Wow, that's Um, cool. So those are some projects and um, things we've been working on over the past year to really help the community with a big outreach for so we've yeah, talked about pe- getting them all stretched out. We've talked about getting them in shape. Is all of that 
enough for injury prevention or are there other things that you think uh, are part of the mix in terms of present preventing injuries over the season? Great question. When we go to do these clinics, a good hour of about a three and a half hour clinic is actually health education discussion uh, panels that we have with the students and they're very interactive. Um, we talk about shoe wear, which is probably my biggest concern with kids going into marching band because when we look at the kids who Bobby talked about have those lower leg injuries I can usually have them take their shoes off and fold them up like a burrito and say look those those shoes never had a chance your vans look great when you're wearing your skinny jeans but when you come out here to rehearsal you got to have some real running shoes on to give you the support you need to avoid developing shin splints the shoes really um, tell a tale don't they i mean you can see somebody's shoes and the entire inner sole of it is worn off or the entire outer sole and you can tell a lot about somebody's gait and and how they move by just mm -hmm. looking at their soles yes and then you know you get the kids who have done drum corps for three seasons and there's that one guy always in the high brass section who's touting his pair of brooks that have lasted all three seasons and i'm like man when you age out your shins and ankles are going to hate you from wearing those shoes through the bottoms of them. So like right. I encourage uh, members because there's research to back this to invest in multiple pairs of shoes. If that means you got to get a summer job to make that happen, it is worth your time because injury rates are lower when your foot has to adapt to multiple surfaces, whether you're alternating weeks in pairs of shoes or whether you're, um, having a lighter colored pair in the beginning when the sun's out a lot more and hot and then switching to a darker color, a more traditional color later on in the season once temperatures have cooled off. My youngest son, Tyler, runs cross country and track at high school and his coaches usually have them each season have two pairs and every other day you're wearing the, uh, you know, the other pair, two pair of the same kind of shoe, but mm -hmm. you're, you're getting mileage on them every other day so that you know, you're not wearing out one pair of shoes to where it's different that you're running on it after a month or two. Right. And I, I actually hate paying for that, tested. but <laughs> it is good. Right. That's why. I, and we go teach clinics at every different socioeconomic level. So if people are listening to this and they're like, no kids in my band can afford two pair of shoes. They might have one pair for the next two years. Um, that's why we encourage them to take ownership of their health when we go do clinics and really look at themselves and what they can manage, whether that means they go get a summer part-time job or that means they need to save up whatever allowance that comes their way over the next few months to make something like that happen. Uh, and then we try to give them different market options. So not necessarily going for the fanciest things, but also giving them realistic shoe options to purchase in the process. Um, and then, like you said, you had two pairs of shoes to put miles on. The research says it's around 300 to 500 miles that you need to be putting on a pair of shoes before you ditch them. I thought, oh man, I am clear because I'm never ever going to run 300 to 500 miles. When I was teaching at Wando, I was getting 20,000 steps a day, which equates to 10 miles a day, which 10 miles a day runs through 300 to 500 miles quickly. And I'm not even the one marching. So those kids have to have multiple pairs of shoes if they're going to last the full season. I think this is good for us to even, you know, A, to do a shameless plug, but I can tell you at Wanda, we're actually going through new uh, marching shoes, and I won't mention any companies, but one of the things that we're really looking at is the support 
that these shoes, yeah, they have to look great, but the, the support that's there. And I know Jeff, you and I have spoken about this several times. I think if you're a band director and you haven't thought about what your band is performing in, that's a real mistake, especially if you do any rehearsals in those shoes. Uh, I think that that's just as important as the tennis shoes that are there. Uh, really looking into the research as to what are the best performing shoes. And, you know, we can go a lot of different directions with that. And I, I think that's maybe a, qu- a question for another time. But I do think that directors need to start thinking about that in terms of marching health. It's not just about my tennis shoes. It's really about our performance shoes and the way that we wear a lot of things. For Bobby, sure. I think, I think the, the one of the problems in the marching activity is that we, we come from a very military background. And in the right. military... Up close, you know, your drill sergeant is looking at the shine of your shoes up close. Uh, and, and that, you know, every detail in the military, I totally get that. And, and what we're doing, the stage is so far back now that you cannot tell the difference between, for example, the crossover shoe from DSI that's almost like a tennis shoe that's all black or the, um, you know, the other shoes that are maybe patent leather, the showstopper or, or some of those other shoes. You can't tell that from up in the press box on the 50 yard line. And so at this point, a lot of bands are making decisions based on comfort and based on health instead of based on how shiny is this shoe. Elliot, we've talked about trying to get ourselves ready. We've talked about once we're marching, we've talked about preventing injury. Um, let's pretend I am injured. I, I have a student that has weak ankles, you know, and I've heard people say my ankles are just weak. So I, I'm sitting on the sideline. What can I do to get back in the game sooner and stronger? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's, it's a loaded question in that it depends on the student, um, number one, from a medical standpoint as to what they actually have going on physically. But any of my students that are on the sidelines are doing something. I don't let a kid just sit there and lay out the full rehearsal there. If they have an ankle sprain that just happened even the day before, and it's still swollen, they're over there doing ankle pumps. So literally just pumping their foot up and down to make sure that that swelling goes down and that they're keeping their muscles active. Um, if it's a hamstring issue, that kid's over there doing some hamstring curls or whatever program I give them. Um, it's important that you collaborate with and reach out to local physical therapists and medical professionals and even the athletic trainers in your school to say, if I have these top three injuries this season, what should this kid be doing rehab-wise on the sideline? so that they aren't passively sitting during rehearsal. Also, they need to be looking at their drill chart and going through, you know, kind of visualization of their part. Can you see why I liked Elliot so much at the rehearsal? (laughs) Yeah. When Elliot had to leave us at Wando, we went to, and before he left, we went to the local hospital and there, and just asked them, Hey, can you help us at all with physical therapy? And they actually had their head of the physical therapy department come and be with us every band camp and throughout the season, just as volunteers. Um, they were excited to to get to be around the kids and get to know them and work with them. So reach out to your local hospital. They usually can help with getting kids healthy, but also getting them back in the game, like we were saying. I found that I'm not a doctor, and I can't tell whether a kid is faking really hurt or 
whatever. I usually go the wrong direction both ways. So I want a, a professional to look at it and say, what's great? So they would come in and sort of basically give them a, a free look to see, you know, this needs to go to a doctor, this needs to go to a physical therapist, or this just needs some ice and suck it up, buttercup. Uh, yep. I really like that a lot. So Yeah, and I do want to say uh, one of the biggest things we had when we were working with Legends Drum and Bugle Corps, um, we sat the staff down early on in spring training and made sure that they understood what you just said, which is I am not a doctor, especially when you have young staff members the words that they use can be very harmful to these um, teenagers who are in, undergoing a lot of peer pressure, a lot of social anxiety, and then they get hurt on the field. If you use the wrong language and you try to diagnose them when you're not a medical professional, sometimes that sends them down this cascade of thinking that their season is over and they get out of it with rehearsal and they stop um, socializing, kind of isolate themselves. So making sure that you say, hey, are you really hurt? okay, we need to go get this medical professional involved um, mm -hmm. to make sure that kid's rehab and care gets the best um, quality that it can. So as a staff member and as a parent, you know, my son Connor's been in the Carmel Band for the last four years, and um, I have a little bit of a new perspective on this topic because it, it's very easy to get cynical. Let's take concussions, for example. I, I know I've said this in the past. Well, when I was a kid, you were allowed to hit your head and not call it a concussion, you know, in kind of a snarky way. And, mm -hmm. and you know, a kid will come to you and say, I have a concussion. And you're like, oh, my, come on. You, you got bumped by a flagpole. But Connor <laughs> got hit by a, 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 a saber this year. And you could see it in every aspect of his personality. He was tired all the time. Mm -hmm. He was having trouble in school, bright lights, all, all that. And I was mm -hmm. like, as a parent, it really made me step back as a staff member and go, I don't need to be making comments to these kids. I just need to say mm -hmm. to them, have you communicated with your doctor and your physical therapist? Is there a plan to get you back? Yeah. Yes, exactly. And I will speak to the concussion aspect of things. <clears throat> that is one of the um, biggest issues we're having to deal with right now in the drum corps and um, higher level marching part of the activity that, concussions are running rampant not just in football but on the marching band field and rehab looks totally different and in a lot of ways more difficult for musicians because they don't have just the physical aspect they have the sound aspect that they have to deal with from the actual wow. playing their horn aspect um, because sound exacerbates concussion symptoms and a concussion is a mini brain injury and a lot of people don't realize that yeah, I think we're only now really starting to see that, you know, we want the aspects of being a physical activity and a sport, a quasi-sport, or maybe just full-on sport, but we also have to accept the responsibilities that come along with that. You know, there was a time when if a staff member would say, oh, you know, just, just suck it up and whatever. If we're going to demand this much from the kids, we as the directors have to demand our staffs to be aware of the medical implications that happen with this new demand it's a brave new world really out there when it comes to physical demand and it used to be the drum corps but now i mean you go to a carmel rehearsal or any of those top top bands you can't walk out on the field someone's going to plow you over and uh, the kids are just incredibly athletic in what they do so i think that's a that's a big part of it i think as we as directors have to really make sure our staff is very much on that same page of we have high performing athletes and with that we need to treat them as such it's not coddling them it's just understanding the demand 
and respecting the 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 role that we call upon them to do. I think that's big. Jeff had a, a good question on here that I wanted to make sure that we got to, and he said, "What do you think about alternative medicines like chiropractors or any of those kinds of things?" Like a kid says, "You know, my back's bothering me. I'm going to go to a chiropractor." What would you say to a student that came up with that? If alternative medicines did not work, they would not exist. If they didn't work for someone, they would not exist. And that doesn't mean that the chiropractor is for everybody. Heck, that doesn't mean that the physical therapist and a licensed or a medical doctor is for everybody. Um, each person needs healing in their own way. And a lot of times it is what is more ingrained in their belief system that is going to help them get better. Um, so that's more of my stance on it. I want to do the best yeah. that I can yeah. with my knowledge to make sure those kids get better. Another question we had for you, yeah. Elliot, had to do with water breaks. And I think we're past the point where coaches and, and band directors just rehearse the heck out of their kids and don't give them water. I mean, that doesn't, it, it doesn't really happen that often, I don't think, anymore. But I do think we all need to have some sort of plan, right? I mean, you can't just mm -hmm. wing it. Yep. So that is one of the most important issues I think needs to be addressed from a rehearsal management standpoint and this is something actually we developed last year with legends drum and bugle corps we were citing from and taking pieces from the michigan athletic association uh, manual and then it worked really well with legends because we were making mistakes and when i came down to wando after doing that bobby and um, tim cole the visual caption head and i sat down and i told them what what worked and tim looked at me like i had three heads so it is based on water breaks are sure. entirely based on um, heat index or wet bulb glow temperature, whatever you have access to. A lot of bands don't have access to the athletic training equipment that tells them the wet bulb glow temperature. So we use what the heat that? index app. No yeah, it, yeah, Elliot, explain the, the wet glow, because this took me a while <laughs> to understand. What is that? Wet <laughs> the, the wet glow. That's a, that's a different <laughs> rehearsal technique, Jeff. That? It's different rehearsal technique. Um, that's just a piece of fancy equipment that factors in humidity and, uh, oh my God, I can't even remember all the stuff off the top of my head, oh, but, yeah, um, it... it's, it's fancy, fancy. Um, only <laughs> typically only the athletic trainer has one in the school and most bands don't have access to that. So we use the heat index app and just went off of that since that was much more realistic to our day-to-day -day routines. And we had a um, protocol. We basically made a little um, table and said, if it is 85 and above, we get water breaks every two minute water breaks every 15 minutes. If it is 90 and above, it is 10 minute water break, or sorry, two minute water break every 10 minutes. Um, those might not have been the exact temperatures, but it was something along those lines so that we never did 30 or 40 minutes in a row anymore. And I would set out my cell phone during rehearsal and time mm -hmm. it and tim and i would do this and when that timer went off i didn't care if i was in the middle of the sentence i'd stop and give them that two minutes and we thought this was going to be a disaster it turned mm -hmm. out to be one of the best things i ever did as an educator yeah i know um, for sure we've done that as well i've seen chris crakey do this from the box where he's like i don't want to give breaks if i if i don't mm -hmm. make myself i'll just keep talking so he'll set an alarm on his phone and be like mm -hmm. mid-sentence okay water break go Right. Now, the science behind it was something I didn't even understand when I was going through physical therapy school. One of the top symptoms of dehydration 
is not physical fatigue, but mental fatigue. So where I thought my drumline students were zoning out because they were just tired of being at rehearsal, it was because I hadn't given them enough water breaks. So all of a sudden our band camp week after that change started being so much more productive because I trusted them with two minutes if they could give me 10 and then the water got in their system, their whole body got hydrated and their brain got the nutrition that it needed to focus. Yeah, if I can attest to that, we saw a major change when we started doing this. I, th- I thought it was going to just really slow the momentum, but it did the exact opposite. It really gave us quite a bit of momentum to move forward. Now, Bobby, did we do that? So on the cooler days where it was more like 85 to 90, <laughs> were we more aggressive just in that first hour and then let it yes. be for the last well, two to three? I would say that we went down to – yeah, exactly. What we what we did and what we kind of ended up going to when it would get below that ninety mark, uh, we started letting the kids be a lot more responsible for that. So we would encourage them, like if you felt if you feel your mouth dry, if you feel whatever, you go do your two minute and come out, and we'll go every about forty minutes, about forty to forty five. Uh-huh. And the way I do it now is I only teach in about forty minute to forty five minute blocks. And then we go to a new topic or a new area of the show, and they all get about three to four minutes. We don't ever do the, hey, everybody, take a 10-minute break anymore. Yeah. You know, you taught us that that's that's actually one of the worst things that you can do in a rehearsal. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But to do Um, those two, three, four-minute breaks uh, has really helped us a ton. You know what we did with the drum corps was uh, when it was really hot out, Instead of having instruments in their hand when we're learning drill, we put their water jugs in their hands. Yeah. And and drum corps, they all have the exact same water jug. And we try to do that at Carmel as well. But And so in that case, the, the rule was if you're thirsty, drink and don't disrupt rehearsal. And it, it worked uh-huh. really well because they're just constantly hydrating, but they're also on their dot and they're at attention. And uh, I, uh-huh. I really liked that. We used it a little bit last year with the, uh, with the high school group. And, you know, the water bottle gets lighter as the kids get more tired. So right. <laughs> it kind of goes with the physiology. Perfect. Yeah, you know what? I actually think it's a good thing when we, we've we even told kids now, a, a side of this is to take a lot more bathroom breaks. <laughs> so, yep. uh, you know, it's a thing. Again, the kids, and I, that's a good thing. When you don't, something's wrong. Um, and that was something that took me a little while to, to realize. So we, we'll have kids... I, and again, I thought it was going to be a really tough thing, but we have kids moving in and out of the field so much that you almost don't notice it. I know that sounds weird, but it's such a uh-huh. natural, normal thing. And only in, I'd say in three years, I've only had one kid really abuse that, that I had to to say something to. And it was a young freshman guy. And yeah. once once he understood why that responsibility was there, it was a good, uh, it was a good lesson learned. That was one of the things that we could empower them with, and they did not abuse it for the most part. So, Elliot, this has been right. some great actionable material. I hope our listeners, uh, you know, take some of this to their own rehearsals. I think, you know, just to summarize, I think you've given us a good idea of what it's like to stretch and what it's like to get in shape and prevent and and recover from injuries and uh, water breaks and all that. I really appreciate all your insight into this. I think. Uh, I think you're going to need to hire some more consultants because people are going to want to hear from you and uh, uh, they're going to want you to come out and you're not going to have enough time to do all that. I think. <laughs> We've already got three and we're almost booked out for the summer. Right. right. <laughs> so, Elliot, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, how do they do that? The quickest way is through my email, 
Um, that's where I generally point people to or social media. Look, I'm everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, the website, email, shoot me a message that says 15 minute marching band workout. I want it. And we'll go from there. Um, okay. Hey, Elliot, Elliot, (laughs) 15 minute marching workout. I want it. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So we've already ordered the ones. Okay. And and make sure everybody knows what the title of that is. It's marching health, correct? Marching health. So keep it simple, keep it sweet. And uh, Marching Health on Facebook, Marching Health Instagram, Marching Health Twitter. It's the same on all of them. Get in touch with me. I want to help you improve your band program and make the kids healthier. If you take nothing else away from this, um, two things would be actionable items. Start doing a dynamic warm-up. It will change your band's culture. And then start doing the water breaks appropriately. That's awesome. We always like to give homework on this podcast. So I think those are two things people can do coming up in June when they have their first rehearsals with marching band. Mm-hmm. We'd even challenge you to maybe videotape a couple of those so that you can show the kids as the season goes on. Okay, here's how much better you're moving now. When they can see that, because they'll see a change in about two or three weeks, show mm-hmm. them that and show them how much better they're getting. I can't wait till 10 years from now when you have all this data and you can share the data and people are going to be like, it's, you know, <laughs> that was the conversation yeah. our team had this morning. Any data you can collect, work, I think that's going to be gold. Yeah. Well, it's Before we wrap this up, guys, uh, Bobby and I always have a few things we'd like from you. Uh, obviously we'd love for you to visit our shop and uh, buy your products there. Uh, listen to each new episode. More and more subscribers are coming on each day. I look at the, the metrics and it's really exciting. Um, not a lot of people are, are uh, commenting on the social media pages. You guys still have a chance to do that. And tell us what you'd like to hear and share some of your wins and losses from this year. Uh, as it's almost June, uh, those of us in that band life are gonna have a little bit of a respite uh, here in June. So uh, share some of the wins and losses from this year and share some questions or suggestions for topics and guests you would like to hear on future podcasts. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jeff Young. And I'm Bobby Lambert, and this has been That Band Life.